Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and this week I am joined by Dan Lambert. Dan, welcome. Hello. Uh, so, as per usual, we have plenty to cover because, you know, the Reading games, we move forward by one day. And we've got two pretty decent victories against Bristol City and Sheffield United to discuss as well. Um, I think out of the four people that did the interview on our last podcast with Ethan Laird, uh, three of us were going to the Bristol City game and only one of us has unfortunately managed to make it onto this podcast. Uh, but Dan, I'm going to ask you about Bristol City anyway. See, even though you weren't there. Um, pretty decent result, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good game. Um, especially the first half. I thought the first half was one of our better halves this season. Uh, I think it was scored in like a couple of minutes, both goals. Um, I mean, from, from the away end, it looked a, a fun experience, I'm sure you had. <clears throat> but no, it was a good good win and a, a good three points away from home. Yeah, so uh, let's just have a quick look at the team uh, that got put out at the weekend. Clark Salter came in for the first time since Blackburn after recovering from his injury, uh, and he replaced Jimmy Dunn. As I say that, a big smile goes across Dan's face there. Uh, Tim also came in and Zell uh, moved to the bench, but did come back on in the second half, as did, as did Jimmy Dunn. Both, uh, in fact, all of them, to be honest, performing quite well. Uh, let's start at the back then, and that new centre-back partnership, already the third, I believe, no, fourth centre-back partnership we would have had this season, considering we had Dickey and JCS, and then Dickey and Dunn, then Dickey and Balogun, and now Balogun and JCS. So, yeah, fourth, four different centre-back partnerships, but... I think straight away, Dan, you can see why McBill wanted Clark Salter. He was added quality into a really decent side. Yeah, I mean, um, no, I was delighted. I think even from the first game, you could see um, Clark Salter's quality. Obviously, he gives you that balance on the left side. Uh, great on the ball. Um, and he's mobile. Uh, and we had two mobile centre-halves on Saturday think that kind of helps um in situations particularly against Bristol City's front two but no he looks uh he looked pretty much faultless apart from the only negative was he came off with what looked like um I can't remember if it was a dead leg or uh cramp but um I think it was, was cramp a, wasn't it yeah yeah but I mean just in general the back two obviously Balogun had the mistake or slight mistake which we'll touch on uh, later, but I thought both of them were pretty good for the most part of the game. Um, so it was, it was positive. Either. Yeah. First half, uh, as you've already said, was very impressive from us. And to be honest, we probably should have put the game outside in the first half. We had plenty of chances to do it. And even in the se- second half, those chances still came. Um, I guess we weren't quite clinical enough and it allowed... Bristol City to come back in to the game and still have something to fight for. As we know, 2-0 is apparently the most dangerous scoreline in football. Uh, And it certainly felt like that on Saturday, particularly in the second half when we were going a bit too deep for my liking. 
what was your uh, obviously like I said we weren't there but you know a reaction I don't think it's really what Beal wanted judging from his uh, post-match comments but it kind of felt like something that we sort of slept walk into yeah well is this in terms of going deep for second half sorry yes yeah right um yeah I think it's uh, I mean from a few of his gate uh press conference press conferences after the game I think he's he said he doesn't want us to particularly drop that deep um I thought I thought first half in particular though we I mean like you say going into the lead but we attacked their back three quite well they were quite vulnerable um Naismith, I thought, got caught out a few times. He was quite good in possession, but he got caught um, a few times. They played quite a high line. Um, I think I think it's natural um, when you've got a lead, you want to hold it, and you probably shouldn't have dropped that deep. But I mean, they kind of tried to pin us with their wing backs, which what Stoke Stoke did. Um, what a lot of teams have been trying to do with us, um, and then kind of trying to play through the channels. So. I could understand why we dropped a bit deeper um, with the threat that kind of Bristol City posed, but we're kind of known for squeezing teams quite well um, when we play a bit higher up the pitch. Yeah, uh, and whilst you mentioned Naismith, there seemed to be a lot of happy Luton fans after the match that he didn't particularly have a very good game. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was a thing. Uh did you see the Seni Dieng incident with him handling the ball? Yeah, yeah, the the one where it was like the the home fans thought he hadn't gone over the line and um or in his box or whatever, and then yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw that. It's convenient because just before this, um, it, it, this is one of the, the few things that me and my dad were saying to each other during the game. We said that uh, Bristol City will come back into it if we don't kill it off and. You know that turned out to be to be the case, and that Senny was getting a little bit too relaxed uh, with his distribution and when he receives the ball in our area. And I think that I can't quite remember what game it was, but one of the home games already this season, there's been a moment where he's definitely been caught out or been close to caught out, and it just seemed like he was taking an age to get rid of the ball and he was trying to be a bit too fancy at times. This was a bit of a worrying moment. The ref had already had a inconsistent game at best, let's say, and we'll touch on that and his wide performance very shortly. But um, I guess, first of all, do you think that it was outside the box? Um, no, I thought it was probably Justin. Um I mean, I think the linesman was probably a bit too far out to see, um, particularly when DM was coming from kind of from behind rather than in front of him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's not much. I think the, the photos on Twitter are quite funny, kind of Bristol City fans kind of trying to prove their point, but some of them were showing the ball was kind of on the line because I think the whole ball has to go. Um, the whole ball has well, to be yeah, outside like, the box. It's like any of these things that the ball has to cross the line entirely for you to yeah. count as a goal. And it's the same with when it goes out for a corner or a throw in. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was um, in the box personally, but I know some people might have a different, different opinion, obviously. Yeah, I think it kind of, it was hard to say in the moment, but my first instinct was that he just got away with it. Um, and I mean, as, as I was saying, 
he just seems to have held on to the ball a bit a few too many times and uh, Naki Wells was uh, wise to it um yeah the, the ref is as i said inconsistent at best he seemed to give a lot of fouls to Bristol City that were, you know, maybe quite generous. But any time uh, Tim got fouled, seemed to be told to get back to his feet. And it was never a foul until probably quite late on in the second half. Um, I'm trying to think now, was there, there was a really good chance in the, we had a couple of really good chances in the second half as well, didn't we? Um, I think when, was it when Dykes came on, Roberts as well. Uh, getting confused with last night, but it feels so long ago. Yeah, uh, was there any sort of standout players for you from the performance? Um, I thought the front three were quite fluid, so I think them as a them as a whole. Um, Johansson obviously had a good game in the and Powell Powell was quite good. I'm trying to think who else. Um, I mean the majority of the performance that from the team I thought was alright. I thought the I saw um. Era Boonham uh, get a bit of stick. I think in fact he's quite. He was saying it's quite lethargic, which we've already. I think we touched on a few times. Maybe the Millwall game. Um, but I thought his role was quite interesting on Saturday. Obviously, he seemed the the, the more advanced of the three, kind of because if you've got naturally you've got Cher and Willett who prefer to drift to the left. So really, Led's quite isolated down that right hand side. So I thought a few a few occasions I saw. Um, Iribune and kind of play really advanced on that right-hand side and um, almost occupy centre-backs along the front line, which is quite interesting. Um, kind of does disrupt the balance in the midfield slightly, but I suppose when you've got two number 10s that are so left-side dominant, and um, you kind of need to have that balance. So I'd say the team as a whole played pretty well, and um, but Iribune was the one that kind of struck out as an interesting, interesting role. Well, it's good that you actually answer that because that was going to be my next question about uh, Irobunim's not not necessarily role in the side, but uh, his performance on the weekend because I think he is going to be one that sort of maybe flats to the sea a few times with how relaxed he is. Um, that is going to look incredible when he goes past two players and he does it mm. looking so easily, but when he's having to battle, um, you know, it's kind of it's an easy one to for fans to pick on really isn't it yeah I can yeah I see that um, I think a few times I mean something that impressed me with him is when when he tries to beat one or two players he's quite um, quite neat and tidy with his footwork quite close control um, and to be honest his progressive passing seems quite natural in that in that lethargic kind of way he does it like you say he does it so easily um, I think he just gives us quality I know I know what you're saying about people will peck on him if he's not trying or Whatever, I just think that's the way he's. That's that's just the way he plays. You've seen, you've seen players in the past um, have that type of body language. I suppose as as a coach, Bill could probably try and coach that out of them to an extent. But I think it's quite hard. I think that's it seems quite a natural natural instinct for him. But now it'd be interesting to see how he kind of develops as a player. Okay, let's just touch on their goal. You've already mentioned it already. Um, do you think Balogun in this instance gets a bit unlucky with the deflection because it is going wide, probably? Um, at least I think it's going wide from my memory. Um, or do you think that we should just be clearing the ball and it was a case of we were inviting too much pressure onto us? Um, I think he's probably got... I mean, I'm saying this in hindsight. He's got to clear the ball better, hasn't he? I think the... 
think the cross does it bounce just before kind of it lands just before his feet um he doesn't adjust his feet really and then he kind of i think he clears it with his right foot rather than probably what he should have done was left um yeah it's hard to say in hindsight but like you say um at the end of that question was they were they were kind of having a little bit of spell of dominance um i thought in the second half particularly with the with the pinning of the wing backs um I thought they had a lot of joy, particularly with Semenya, down the kind of half spaces, uh, getting through our back four. Um, so it felt like it was kind of coming with us sitting a bit deeper. But yeah, if you clear the clear the ball from the cross, then you kind of don't have any second balls to, to deal with. Yeah. Um, I think he's been good, Bellegin. I'm, I'm not... I'm still not sort of on the same wavelength as some other fans seem to be with, with us, with them saying that he's fantastic. I think for someone who's obviously he's come down from Scotland and last season he was playing European football, got to the final uh, with Rangers. You're obviously not going to be a poor centre-back when that is the case. But there's, there's been a, a few times where I'm sort of think, you, you know, I'd still quite like to have Dickie back as soon as possible and ditto for Clark Salter. Um, but, you know, we will touch on injuries in the Sheffield United portion of this podcast but we have said it previously and I think we were saying it to each other in our group chat on the weekend once we get everyone fit and if we can keep everyone fit at the same time we are really cooking with this side aren't we yeah yeah I think the the thing the Balogun thing I think I've again this is this is what I've seen on Twitter but the whole four games in three clean sheets as if it's a direct link to him being the reason why we've got the clean sheets I think that kind of stuff I, I consider bollocks personally. Um, Say what you really think, Stan. Like... Well, no, no, it is though. What, what's one player going to make a difference for a clean sheet? It's a collective thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not completely on the whole, the whole Balogun hype as some, some people are. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think the big thing for me, which Bill's talked about is, um, his leadership, and I don't really know as a fan how much you can measure the leadership. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd have to be in the ground to, to kind of see it happening. But from the interview with Ethan Led, he did say that Balogun kind of talks a lot. He's a good, um, he's not really a quiet leader. He's more of a, or a vocal, vocal leader, basically. So I think that's probably made a difference. And I'd probably put him higher than Dickie in, in that sense of leadership. But um, uh, yeah, like you say, it's great to have four very good centre-backs for the level, really. Um, we can play a back three, like I'm sure we'll touch on later, or we can play a back two, so or two centre-backs. So gives us options, which is what we haven't always had. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Sheffield United then. Um, rounding off a fantastic week, to be honest, um, and with with some changes as well. Uh, Jimmy Dunn came back in for Clark Salter, who, stayed on, who managed to make the bench uh, alongside Rob Dickey. Amos came in for his first start since Middlesbrough, I'm going to assume. Uh, yeah, I believe. Yeah, because he got injured after that, didn't he? Yeah, but he did have minutes at the weekend against Bristol City. Dazelle also came in, and it was Johansson and Tim that were left on the, out or on the bench or whatnot. So, I mean, this hopefully, you know... I think we said this a few times last season, but, you know, you'll look back on particular performances and on particular weeks and at the end of a season and think that was very important to how 
everything panned out and beating top of the table at their place in a difficult, obviously that is a difficult game, but when they have been on really good form, when they haven't lost a game at home in ages, when they have don't concede goals at home. Yeah, this is a pretty significant one, isn't it, Dan? Oh, yeah, yeah. brilliant win. Um, just touching on the lineups, I thought, and about the rest, I thought it was quite quite funny seeing everyone saying he's learned his lesson um, by making changes almost before we kicked a ball. Um, so it was good to see it paid off, actually, after the game. Um, but no, great win. Um, just uh, to sum it up, really, just the general the shifts that the, the guys put in, um, the, like the defensive defensive display was was exceptional. So, um, I mean, I saw Heckenbond's res- um, response after the game, and he, he was a little bit annoyed with a few decisions, but he said to give them their credit, um, we defended we defended excellently. So, we didn't really have too much um, too many complaints about our, our defensive side of our game, really. Yeah, uh, obviously, Sonny makes a pretty decent save. But, yeah, th- I was watching the... Well, I wasn't watching it, but I was keeping a, uh, across it on the BBC Sport app. And first 15 minutes looked like we are we were very much under the cosh. Um, but that, you know, go, this actually harkens back to something I saw prior to the Bristol City game. We haven't conceded, apparently, in the first 15 minutes this season. Uh so, you know, that goes on and that probably would be your biggest challenge so far in the sense that we were bombarded, In this, it felt like, in that early uh, exchanges. I think our possession was incredibly low and they had had four shots away already. We hadn't got a single shot away. So to get through something like that and to come out the other side of it with a win is brilliant. But it is a win, though, Dan, at a cost, isn't it? Potentially. Because um, Senny Dieng and Willock both picked up injuries. Willock went off five minutes roughly after he scored the winning goal. Dieng has apparently pulled his thigh and he wasn't able to take goal kicks. So we, these are two similar injuries. Yeah, obviously, it's difficult to know whether it's the same, uh, same injury again. You know, it could be the other leg or whatever, but Willock has a hamstring injury, which is what the problem was last year. Dieng, I think it was a thigh injury. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I didn't, I didn't notice. I miss, kind of missed the uh, the Willock injury uh, actually happen. Uh, thanks to the red button, not having replays. But um, the Dieng one, it was quite early on in the second half. But I think he wasn't really kicking. So, um, and I was wondering whether it might be a a recurrence of the uh, Blackburn injury. Obviously, different kind of circumstance of the injury, but um, he kind of couldn't kick well against Blackburn. He had to come up at half-time. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of see how that one pounds out. Yeah. Um, last season, obviously, the, the, lo- the loss of Willock was, you know, crucial to our fortunes come the end of the season. Are you looking at it this, looking at this year? I'm a little bit more confident that we have cover. I know Willock's been outstanding and he's come up with some fantastic goals, but sort of just hear me out on this. Uh, you know, we've got Roberts there as well. who can probably play. I know he's been playing as a sort of that one out striker, but he can come and play in the positions that Willock and Chair have been deployed in. 
you've got three strikers in Dykes, Armstrong and Bon, when we only, we, you know, so you've got those guys that can come into the team. And also, as we keep on forgetting, we haven't seen a minute of him yet, but you've got Taylor. Taylor, I'm getting it right. Yeah. Am I good? Yeah. Taylor, yeah, Rock. Taylor Richards. Yeah. Richards. Richards. Yeah. Richards, I got it right. Yeah. Um, he is, you know, he's back in training this week. So you've got, I think this season we've got a better scope if an injury does rise. You know, uh, Steph, Stefan was rested. Tim was rested. You've got three uh, capable midfielders there. You can do more with this team. And I feel like Bill's willing to do more with the formation, with the changes uh, than Warburton was. With, with Unfortunately, with Warburton, when Willock was out of the side, it was sort of like, we're going to carry on in that way, but we're not going to actually have anyone to replace him. Uh, I don't know if replace would be the right word, but we can certainly move players around and hopefully get to a better uh, outcome this year. Of course, as well, there is news that we potentially might be signing another midfielder on a free from Liverpool. Um, so, you know, there's, there seems to be plenty of cover available. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably slightly more pessimistic than you. Um, I mean... I'm not saying that like, I'm excited, of... but I'm just saying... No, 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 no. Then what you, your, your case, let's say. Um, I think the thought of Richards coming back, um, that's, a, that's a good one for me. Um, I've said it numerous times, how good I think he is, or can be. Um, and he could probably... I think I said at the start of the year when we signed him that I think he's about a 10 than a number eight, so we can maybe see him in that role. The only, well, I'm sure there's everyone's thinking this, but Willock's been so good, almost defying the odds in the sense that if I'm bringing the kind of XG thing in slightly, I think he's scored six six goals from 0.8 XG, and he scored some pretty decent goals as well, um, which just shows comes to show his quality, really. Um and a lot of our shots have been outside the box and we haven't really had that much box threat. And, and kind of in that sense, will we will we create the same output with the likes of maybe Dykes in there, uh, Roberts uh, and Chair together? I think it'll be it'll be weaker in quality, but I'm not I'm not too confident of of them producing what well, I know they won't produce what Willett can, but uh, can they produce it to a decent enough level? Um, but it'll be an interesting kind of uh, thing to kind of see whether he, like you say, tweaks the formation a little bit. Maybe he goes to a four-two-three-one, kind of trying to put a bit more creativity um, to kind of fill that Willock void rather than relying on just to sit two players like he normally does. So um, yeah, I suppose he's got he's got some thinking to do. I think you get the way to sort of go about it is that well, you don't just sort of try and continue as if Willock is there. You have to go and attack in a different way. You have to, if Dykes is going to play, you know, regardless of his form so far this season, you've got to be get, getting the ball out wide and crossing it in, playing a bit more to his strengths, and you're going to have that focal point up front. Whereas, obviously, Roberts drops off and goes into different areas. Um, I just think there's a bit more scope there. The one that I'm a little bit worried about is the Dieng injury. Obviously, we haven't really seen too much of Jordan Archer considering he got injured uh, in penalty heroics last season. So he's only played 
Cup matches for us. And then obviously we go on to have to sign three, three players after three players after three players. But you've got him, uh, Joe Walsh, who is out on loan at the moment with Hampton Richmond Borough, uh, which was only meant to be for a month. But, you know, if there's going to be any hint of an injury to Diego, I imagine he's going to be coming back. Uh, and of course, you have Murphy Mahoney as well. Um, this is the one that concerns me a little bit because I think Senny's a big... The, the drop between Senny and Archer, unfortunately, is is quite big. This season, I feel like we have a bit more uh, scope further forward to make a few changes and build it perhaps a bit more. You know, Chair's been excellent so far. Let's build it all around him to a certain extent rather than him and Willock. Uh, so, yeah, the, the injury to Senny would really worry me. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I was going to say, where's your uh, where's your beloved David Marshall? He's him? actually doing um, very well for Hibernian. I'll let you know. Very well for Hibernian. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, I totally agree that the, the, the kind of drop-off between um, Dieng and Archer is huge, uh, both in distribution and uh, shot-stopping ability. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what you do because he's not going to be able to kick, is he, with the with a thigh injury? But do you then kind of say you kind of drop out the distribution part of your game and kind of just keep him in there? It's it's going to be a bit different, but I mean, are you. I think. I mean, if, if he's not going to be able to take of... goal kicks, that's a big problem. Yeah, it's a because big problem, that, but then the, the trade good... I don't quite know. You know, I'm no physio here but surely if he's unable to kick how long is it going to be if you keep aggravating that injury before he can't actually move and jump to reach the ball no i mean uh, yeah i'm not i'm no um i'm no injury expert so i suppose it's a wait and see but no i think i think just dm in general i think he's an underrated keeper in this division one of the best um and yeah we might just have to to go with Archer and kind of see how it gets us. Uh, we just got to hope it's not, it's not something that's going to keep him out mid to long term. Really, hopefully it's just a, a short term injury. But I don't know how much he would have aggra- aggravated it um, last night unless he felt it and he kind of went straight away. They, they got someone else to kick. So, yeah, it's another one like Willock where we're just going to have to wait and see. And I, I imagine by Friday he won't give it away. I imagine by Friday come what quarter to quarter to eight or whatever. Um, yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more, um, not cloak and dagger, but I don't I think, like you said, he's going to play his cards closer to his chest this time because he's already done a few interviews and he's not really he did it with Dickie, didn't he? he? He didn't let he didn't tell anyone about Dickie until we found out the team shit. I can't remember what yeah. it was, but there has been some injuries where he's been open about it, hasn't he? If it has got yeah, if it's going to and... if they know now that it's going to be for some time, they do say. Mm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is a sort of wait and see moment. But it, I would think it's safe to say that if we didn't have Diang in goal for those two games, we probably would have lost them. Not lost them, sorry, at least drawn them because he made a fantastic save within the opening couple of minutes against Bristol. And then he also made a pretty good save last night against Sheffield United to keep it whatever the scoreline was at the time. So, you know, without him there, we probably don't walk away with uh, six points from those two games. Okay, so um, this is a segment I'm going to call the ongoing puzzlement of Reading FC because, you know, looking at their squad, 
knowing who they are, knowing how they've played in previous seasons, should they be this high up the table, Dan? Yeah, it's a bit of an enigma, isn't it? Um, and they've got a, a negative goal difference as well. I think it was from the two 4-0 spankings. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched too much of Reading. Um, but yeah, I think it surprises me, everyone basically in the championship or any kind of neutral that uh, that follows the league. Um, clearly the appointment, that I think it was a temporary appointment last season and now they made it permanent. Um, it's clearly worked in one way or another, not just to uh, reignite his son's career. Um, but yeah, I suppose, I suppose on Friday we can't really underestimate what they've got because they've, they've put a lot of points on the board so far. Well, yeah, that they are one point ahead of us on twenty-two, and they've they've lost one more game than us, drawn less than us, winning seven games. I can't, I just can't really get my head around it because I've never thought of um, Paul Ince as a outstanding manager. I, I don't have his record in front of me, but it's you know. If you uh... strikes me as more of a like a motivational kind of manager, kind of someone that can spur them on. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's someone that particularly in, enjoy. From what I've seen of clips of his press conferences or whatever, he's not too overly keen on like all this tactical stuff and you know like some of the managers in the division. So, um, yeah, he, he's very much a traditional coach. I think it's fair to. Do you think there's someone behind the scenes that's sort of taking more of the tactical things? Yeah, possibly. I think that there's there's always tactical elements you need you need as a coach, regardless of whether you think it's a um it's a it's a skill it's a skill or not. Um, I mean, I don't know I don't know who that would be. Um, but it, it, some some form of the team seems to be working on there. I mean, they've got to be fair to them, they have got some quality players. Lucas Jow for this division has been one of the uh, top strikers in the. Uh, for a few seasons, I think when they Reading got in, just missed out on the playoffs, he scored a handful of goals. Um, and they've got like the likes of Ajari, who always seems to do well against us. Um, I think he's been benched a few times recently. Um, so they've got they've got a kind of a mix of experience and um, and youth in there. Um, so I suppose that's that is probably what kind of blend you want in a championship team, really. Yeah. Um... Let's look at then what we can do. Let's assume that, unfortunately, Willock will be ruled out of this game. You know, if he's pulled up with a hamstring injury and had to come off last night, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, as McBeal was saying, he'd still score if he was on crutches. He'd still score if he was on crutches, guarantee. Uh, well, as uh, you're going to hate me for this, Dan, but I was just on just before recording this. It was on uh, BBC Radio London, and they. Before I went on, they were playing a clip from uh, Mick Beale's interview with, I assume, one of their journalists. And he was talking about it being, you know, such a quick turnaround, having played at the weekend. Now go up to Sheffield United. Then it's a four-hour coach journey back home. And then they've got to, you know, come in and do like all the ice baths and stuff like that, is what he said, uh, and make sure that they can recover correctly. So I think... Unfortunately, we might be willockless for this game. That's my feeling. Yeah, I think that's very likely. Um, it's probably the DN one's probably the one that we might be able to get him 
fit for the game, possibly. They'd be the, the more likely of the two, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, so, with that in mind, what would you do? Who would you bring in? What, would you tinker that much with the side? Um, I think Johansson and probably Tim come back, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say uh, it's a tough one because I quite like Amos on on uh, or last night. Um, but then I don't think he could particularly play a full ninety. So maybe, maybe you start with what you uh, had at Bristol City, like you say, um, Phil Johansson and Ira Burnham, and um, and kind of bring on Amos for for the fresh legs at maybe like the sixty minute mark, something like that. Um, I think he will keep the same system to start with. I think we've seen flexibility within him, like the Stoke game and the well, the Sheffield United game, where he's changed the system needs be to to kind of facilitate um, our strengths. So I think he'll stick with the the four four three two one and probably go Dykes Robertson chair to start with, um, and then I don't know. You possibly you possibly bring in another attacker for a midfield late on if we need to. Um, I suppose the, the real question is who goes in that back line? Um, mm. Well, just about to, to say, me, assuming yeah, sorry, that on. they're all fit, like, who's going to be playing? I think, I think we know... I have him straight in there, I think Dickie probably won't start. I'd be surprised if he starts. I think... Yeah. He's probably he's probably got the injury at the wrong time uh, with, with all the clean sheets and and kind of defensive displays we've been putting in. I think he'll, I think he'll stick with Balogun. Say, seems that, to be saying, his man, there, doesn't he? Yeah, but then saying that now, I'm wondering whether because the Rangers, um, the Rangers fan that I speak to um, about Balogun said that he he really struggled with a two two game week, maybe three, and he's played two. So I suppose the the other thing is, does Dickie come in on the basis that Balogun's uh, can't manage a three, three game week in in six days. It's a t- it's a tight turnaround for him. Yeah. Um. So yeah, possibly you get we get our best or my best um two centre backs with Clark Sauter and Dickey, and we really could be in a in a good situation. I suppose Dunn. To be fair to him, Dunn was uh, faultless for the most part on uh, last night. I, I I did have a few doubts with him in hindsight about the way teams have been pinning us and kind of. Creating, creating the space between the centre back and full back, and it's a lot on his, a lot for him with the, his, his lack of mobility. Um, and I, I, I still wouldn't have him as my preferred partnership, but I wouldn't be too, too bothered against Reading um, if he plays because I don't think they have as much threat going forward with pace. Understood. Uh, a word then for ex-QPR player, the, the briefest of brief stints, Jeff Hendrick. Uh, are you excited to see him at the weekend again? Well, not the weekend, late on Friday evening. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, I was never wowed by him, but the amount of shit he got from our fan base, regardless of what he did, was, was yeah, a bit puzzling at it, times. It I went was... from, like, if, if I remember it correctly, at the time, people were like, oh, yeah, get him in instead of Johansson. He's what we need. He's what we need. And then, like after a couple of games, it was like he is the worst player we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it I turned very it. quickly for him. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. probably he came in at the wrong time, and like you know, he, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, he he was 
a system. He was a a symptom of a wider issue, wasn't he? But yeah, I think you he know, played. I think he played victim from day one because we we wanted that attacking midfielder, uh, that number ten. Didn't get them. Got him instead. Kind of Warburton labelled him as this um, really experienced, um, you know, Premier League experienced midfielder. Um, and like I said, like last year, he kind of, for me, he was always a six out of 10 and everything. He never really excelled in anything, but he didn't really do too much wrong. I think apart from the Luton, Luton away performance was probably his worst one. Um, and he seems to be doing all right at Reading, to be fair to him. Mm. Um, he scored He scored on, a, he scored last night against Norwich. I think it was a penalty. Um, and he seems to kind of found his, found his room. So fair play to him on that. Because I don't, I don't have a bad thing. I don't have a like bad agenda or anything against them. But um, no, it'll be interesting. I don't think it'll get a brilliant reception from from the basis of how he was treated. Uh, it, it's funny how these things work out, isn't it? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not keeping record of all the things that we do get right on this podcast. But I remember at the time, this this was one of the things that we all unanimously agreed on. We looked at the signing and went, "What's the point?" what is the point and uh turned out that you know in that situation we were correct but you know like i said i'm not keeping track listen listen to our gem for more insights <laughs> um i do remember other people suggesting that Johansson should be sold and you know he's been very good this season so that's funny isn't it anyway we've come to the end of this week's podcast thank you very much for listening um, we don't really have anything much to plug. I think it's, I think a, week, a couple of weeks ago, I said it was Ben's turn in the program, but it was cancelled or something like that. So this week probably should be Sam's go. I'm taking a guess here. I'm not really sure. So if you want to buy the program and find out, feel free to. Um, I don't have anything else to plug. Do you have anything out at the moment, Dan? No, no. I think I think we managed to plug the the, the set piece the set piece article last week. I think it was uh, think that was my latest piece. The only thing you've done is like re-release on your platform the yeah, articles I, you've done with Clive. Yeah, I just added them onto my um onto my Substack just to kind of a to kind of add it to the profile, so it's like an easy easily uh findable thing. But um, yeah, I just added it there when I had a a bit of bit of free time. Lovely stuff then. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Like tweets that our generation put out. Follow both of us on Twitter. Subscribe to our generation on whatever podcast platform you are using to listen to this. And also, of course, leave us a review. Tell us we're brilliant because we deserve it. Why not? Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, come on, you arse.